What is up, Nerds Nation? Welcome to the FN Nerds Podcast with the most dynamic duo in all of podcasting. I'm Nick Denizio, and sitting across from me is my dude, Martin Moreno. Christmas time. Christmas time. Holiday season. That it is. Uh, we got a brand new episode from the FN Collection for you guys. But before we get started, if you're watching on YouTube, please subscribe and give this video a thumbs up. And if you're listening on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else, please check back each week because we try to upload new content for you guys to listen to. So since we are in the in the holiday season, mm-hmm. I figured we'd... Uh, we kind of pick a Christmas movie up off the shelf and uh, land it on Trading Places. I mean, it's not a, it's not like an official Christmas movie, but it takes time during Christmas. It does so. take time. Yeah, it kind we'll of spans it between like Thanksgiving to like New Year's. Wait, does it really span over a month? Yeah, it spans over a month. Really? Oh wow. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Which we will. We, we're definitely gonna get into that. Okay. But uh, so yeah, so work the Google on the internet machine. So let's uh, let's dive in here. So in Trading Places, we have a snobbish investor and a Wiley Street con artist who find their positions reversed as part of a bet by two callous millionaires. The film was directed by John Landis and written by Timothy Harris and Herschel Wangrod and stars Eddie Murphy, Dan Aykroyd, Ralph Bellamy, Don Amich, Denholm Elliott, and Jamie Lee Curtis. The film was released on June 8, 1983 and was a critical and commercial success, grossing $90 million in the U.S., which if you adjust for inflation, ends up to be around like $240 million. Uh, Martin, do you know what the number one movie was in 1983? Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> you like caught me off guard as I was swallowing the beer? I'm just going to... Return of the Jedi? Yes. Yeah. Boom. I mean, that's pretty much an obvious one. Right? Oh, good for you. Return of the Jedi. Uh, but Trading Places was good enough Ugh. to be... Uh, <laughs> the nerd is coming out. Uh, Trading Places was good enough to be uh, number four that year in the uh, overall domestic box office. Uh, and it is also certified fresh from Rotten Tomatoes with a score of 88% and has an audience score of 85%. The movie also received an Academy Award nomination for Elmer Bernstein's original score. Over the years, Trading Places has received a ton of praise and has been called one of the funniest American comedies to come out of the 1980s, along with being listed as one of the best Christmas films of all time by a number of publications like Entertainment Weekly, Empire, and Time Out. So there you have it. All magazines that you hate. All magazines that I hate. <laughs> Basically. I, I like Empire. I'm a fan okay. of Empire. All right. Um, but those covers are trash. Uh, covers are trash. They need to get better like Photoshoppers. I know. Uh, graphic I know. people. Because majority yeah. of times Empire covers are trash. Yeah. Sometimes they have good ones. Like, like, like the Suicide Squad was good. Yeah. Yeah. But for the most part, it's like bad Photoshop. I know. Yeah. It's yeah, really bad Photoshop. Part, yeah. Uh, but the most notable thing about Training Places Legacy is that the movie holds its place in altering American trading. In 2010, as part of the Wall Street Transparency and Accountability Act, which was to regulate financial markets, a rule was included which barred anyone from using secret inside information to corner markets, similar to what the Duke brothers do in the movie. Since the movie was inspired by this rule, it has since been known as the Eddie Murphy rule, which kind of blows my mind that, you know, that that was basically, I guess not like allowed, but, uh, you know, that you could do like insider trading, you know, and kind of... I mean, it's know. still going on now. Like, think about the NFL. I know, that's There's right, like yeah. insider, like trading players. Like, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. was the one Eagles player who went to the Browns or something that got like suspended for a while? Well, that happens all the time too, right? You get yeah. some of these players that get like banned for, for yeah, whatever. For like insider, like yeah, selling yeah, yeah. the playbook yep, or something. Yep, like yep, yep. But, uh, but so you're saying that that sort of insider trading was known as the Eddie Murphy rule? Yes. Like, so, like, like, now, like, and in 2010, that's when they finally made that rule. That what the Duke brothers do in terms of like mm-hmm. getting inside information to kind of corner the market, like now you can't do that anymore. So up to this point, it was, is it still considered like the Eddie Murphy rule? Or that's, no? I mean, that's 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 what what the uh, the, the traders know it as, as, as they call it the Eddie Murphy rule. That's the unofficial that's title. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty hilarious. cool. Mm-hmm. So Martin, with uh, with Trading Places, what was your first experience with it? <laughs> My first experience with Trading Places. Okay, so this is interesting because, uh, do you remember the movie Metro? Of course. Uh, okay, so I have not seen that movie in a long time. It's not. But- 
It's not, it's not great. It's not great. No, but from what I recall, they swore a lot in that movie. Mm-hmm. From what I recall, that they did. Um, and I remember because we had like the premium channels growing up, and obviously we watched like Doctor Doolittle, we watched like um, The Professor. So I really liked Eddie Murphy. So we wanted to watch like more Eddie Murphy movies. And I remember we watched Metro, and my mom was like, "Turn this off." Yeah, because of all the swearing. A lot of swearing, and I also think uh, I forget who else is in that, but somebody I think somebody else is noble that's in that that dies like really early on. And I can't remember. Like, you like, have the same movie. So I know it's been a while. But um, uh, so then the same thing. So then we, so then my mom was kind of like, uh, like very cautious when it came to other Eddie, uh, yeah, Eddie Murphy movies, yeah. <laughs> and then Trading Place came around, and all strength happens early on. She was like, "No, turn this off." So I watched this movie like secretly, like throughout the year, throughout Did like you my nice. young years, like every now and then. Yeah. yeah. And I watched it as, as like a whole, like much later down the road when I was like in high school. So as like a whole, I experienced it like around my like when I was like a sophomore in high school. Yeah. But I like Forbidden Fruit. I secretly yes. would watch it every now and then. And obviously, I would turn to like David Yoda whenever I saw the boobs. Because there's a lot of boobs. <laughs> there's a lot of boobs in this yeah, movie. Yeah, especially yeah. in the first act. So like, I'd be like, oh, <laughs> look at all the boobs. I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm kind of the same way. Like, it was just, you know, and I've said it before on, on the podcast that, you know, I grew up on a steady diet of Eddie Murphy comedies. And this was one of them. I had this on VHS. And it was one of those movies that like... I don't know why, but I always like fell asleep like watching movies a lot. Like I would always throw a movie on as I was going to bed, mm-hmm. and this was like one of them. So it's like anytime like I hear the opening Mozart theme, like I, I automatically think of Trading Places, no matter where I hear that 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 piece of music from, because that's just like it's like ingrained in my head. See, that's funny because whenever I hear that music, I think of Stardust. Oh, true, true, yeah. That's, that's playing when Robert Nears like yes. doing his like dress up number in his uh in his cabin yes. or whatever in his quarters <laughs> yeah. so i always think of like robert and you dancing around like playing with that thing so um that's amazing yeah so it's not engraved in my mind like it is for you yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. but uh but yeah so you know in in re-watching this movie uh you know i try to watch this like at least once a year just because like I, I love it so much but um there's obviously so many different characters and so many great actors that play these characters uh so i know this one's gonna be a tough but who is like your your boom for this movie and who is your bust See, my boom is like it has to be either Eddie Murphy or Dan Aykroyd. It has yeah. to be either one. Um, I love the character of Louis Louis Winthrop. Yes, the third. Um, I love his character because um, just because even though he's kind of like like he's very snobbish or whatever, he's yes. also in a way kind of very honorable. Like he's like <laughs> I haven't sold anything in my life, and he's right. like constantly trying to prove his innocence. Right. But just his sort of like snobbish tendencies kind of drove everyone away. Well, I was gonna say he plays like the the uppity like waspy type like so well like, yeah. with his voice and how he talks and yeah. just how he presents himself. Gentlemen, looking good, Lewis. Feeling good, Todd. We uh, need a fourth for squash today, Lewis. Are you interested? No can do. I'll be having dinner with Penelope tonight. Oh, lucky you. It's not luck. Todd? (laughs) (laughs) You're just like, I don't like this guy. (laughs) You know, like, you're just like, you know, this is is not uh, what I'm about. But uh, but like I said, in a way, he's also kind of like very honest and honorable. Mm -hmm. Um, so I do like his character a lot, um, but then again, Amy Murphy's just so good, and yeah. then just like I think a big moment in the movie for his character is the party scene because mm-hmm. he's coming out. He wants to be like a big, like you know, big dick uh, Eddie Murphy out here, Mister Hot Shot. 
talking about his limo and yes. all his money and got everything. all his money yeah i love yeah. that scene at the bar where he's he's just he's like just launching yeah, bills at like the bartender yeah. for everyone yeah. you know he's out here just like flexing hard but then everyone all the freeloaders come over he's like you know what nah he's like i'm not yeah. about this like get, get the fuck out so uh so i do I, I there's a lot of tendencies about these characters that um that are in a way are like um like kind of like despicable and if you think about his like con man ways yes of eddie murphy's con man ways right um but at the same time, in, in their own kind of right, they are kind of honorable and, and sort of noble, so right. to speak. So I do like them both a lot. Um, but I'm probably just gonna go with Eddie Murphy because I feel like I'm gonna have I'm gonna laugh more. Like, yeah. I'm gonna share more stories and we're probably gonna crack up more. And uh, and he's got money, so he's gonna pay for the tab. Right, right. You know, so he's, <laughs> he's gonna pay for when all the people at the bar who were like drinking for free. That's gonna be me. So, right, like, right. Well, that's that's the thing too. Is like is like with Eddie Murphy, this was only like his his second film. Uh, and when he got cast in this, like he, you know, his first movie was 48 hours with Dick Nolte. And when he got cast in this 48 hours, I didn't even come out yet. So most of the people that were like recommending him, like didn't know who he was. Like John Landis had no idea who Eddie Murphy was when mm -hmm. it was recommended to him. So, and, and you can just tell me when, when Eddie Murphy comes in, he like this whole movie, he's like a firecracker, man. He's just it's like, his cadence. he's, he's so fucking good. Cause the so way he funny. like, um, like his cadence and his quip and the way he kind of like delivers, like you Barry White looking ass motherfucker. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, the way he, he delivers his lines and just, um, and like I said, it's very, uh, it's just hilarious. Yeah. And just cracks you up and just like, from like you said, from the second he comes on screen, pretend to be a cripple. It's just like, it, it like, it's, it's so good. Yeah, it it's is. so good. But that's the thing too, is like, it's like for only being like this, his second movie. And I guess like, it's also a tribute to him doing SNL. So I think he got an SNL when he was like 18 years old, which is also like insane. But like, he has like this 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 uh this confidence on screen, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And like for like a, a young actor, you know, especially like having like this as being like only your second movie, like it's it's also like really uh, I guess like remarkable that he's able to like project like just that that level. Like like he's a pro. Like it feels like he's a pro in this movie. Like you don't see any any uh like like weakness in like his acting and like, his comedy timing is always top notch. And yeah, man, he's just he's that's why he's Eddie Murphy. Exactly, he's a stud. And yeah, also props to to Dan Aykroyd too, who's just absolutely hysterical in this movie. You know, just so many different scenes of of him trying to accommodate to not having money anymore is just like hilarious, like the whole like fish out of water kind of thing. And and uh, and also too, man, um, Jamie Lee Curtis is fantastic in this. Oh yeah, like watching it again, like she's really fucking good. Yeah, and her her accent. Hi, Louis. Merry Christmas, Louis. Louie, when you get out, I have a big surprise for you. Yes, yeah. Louie. Louie, yeah, yeah. York accent that she, or there's like Northern accent that she puts on because Six feels in Philly. But, uh, yeah. But yeah, she um, she kind of has that kind of like uh, like New York rowdy street vibe to her. Right, you know, right. So. And even though she's kind of playing a character that that's become kind of, it's not so much a trope anymore, but it used to be a trope, like that hooker with the heart of gold kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like pretty she's, woman. Yeah, pretty woman. Yeah, you know, just she's there for the best intentions, but... You know, but before this, she really like had had only done like horror, and I think the studio was like nervous to uh, to cast her because she was you know basically just doing horror movies at that point. She was like a scream queen. Yeah, she was like a scream queen, and uh, and it was John Landis that really like fought for her. And you know, when she gets on screen, man, she just shows the type of comedic timing that she has, and and yeah, man, I feel like that this really like launched the kind of like launched her career like going forward. And not just that, but like pretty much standing out amongst these like sort of heavy hitters. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, Absolutely. definitely held her own, and she's great in this. Absolutely. Uh, do you have a uh, do you have a bust in this movie? Do you have, do you have somebody that, that really like just didn't work for you? Probably um, his fiance. Oh, Penelope. Penelope, yeah. <laughs> Penelope, she's the worst. She's the worst. <laughs> you look awful. So ashamed. Those clothes and those shoes and and you've been fighting it. I 
And you smell. But not necessarily, it's not her fault in a way. It's kind of just more the fact of like, um, it's those people like, you know, like, oh, you don't have money or like, it's like yes. who, like the clout chasers, I yes, guess, in yes. a way, you know. Like, well, that's the thing too, because as, so as soon as, uh, as soon as Winthrop gets like, you know, he gets arrested and loses everything, like she just, Immediately, but see, but immediately the same moves time, on to Todd. But at the same time, I'll kind of give her credit because she um, there was like the moment when they're like on the steps outside the prison. Oh, true. And she's about to like forgive him, like she's embrace like, him. Yeah. She's like, okay, I understand. Like, and then she comes uh, Ophelia. Ophelia, <laughs> and that's like when I, and that's like yeah. the breaking point. Like, yeah. you know what? No, but then you're right. Yeah, she immediately goes to Todd. She and, like, shacks up with Todd real quick. Yeah, real fucking <laughs> quick. Um, and when he comes asking for help at the country club, she's yes. like, no, like yeah, get yeah, it, no, get away yeah. from me. So probably her. If not, then it's definitely uh, what's his name, Beeks. Oh uh, yeah, Clarence Beeks. Clarence Beeks. Yeah, not necessarily because um, not because like I didn't like the guy, but he was like he was like the main antagonist of yes. the film in a way. So yes, and it's played by by Paul Gleason, who kind of always played those types of roles. Like obviously he was the principal in Breakfast Club. I was very about to say yeah, yeah, yeah. and then he was the uh, the lieutenant in Die Hard, another Christmas classic. This is Deputy Chief of Police Dwayne T. Robinson, and I am in charge of this situation. Oh, you're in charge. Well, I got some bad news for you, Dwayne. From up here, it doesn't look like you're in charge of jack shit. You listen to me, you little asshole. I'm a asshole. I'm not the one who just got butt fucked on national TV, Dwayne. <laughs> uh, so yeah, probably either Penelope or Beaks. I would Penelope, have to say. Penelope or yeah. Beaks, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I really don't have like a like a bust in this. I think you know everyone plays their characters how they're supposed to be played. Everyone I think is great in this movie, and yeah, I think yeah, it's, it's I like think... it's more as I said, it's more like the villain role. Yeah, like, he's like the antagonist, so I'm gonna just kind of right, um, right. say like fuck because he's trying to like literally ruin these two characters that we really like. He's trying to kind of ruin their life. So yes. it's like you know what, fuck this guy, right, right, you know, for that reason. <laughs> Uh, all right, so I guess we can we can kind of jump into uh, like what our favorite scenes are. So I have a bunch listed here because there's a lot of great ones. So the first one is I can see, which is basically the scene where Valentine gets exposed as a common by the cops, and then he basically gets chased through like that that whole country club. Is there a problem, officers? Uh, then I have Valentine when he's in the jail cell, which also features a cameo from a very young John Carlo Esposito. I don't know if you caught that. Uh, who was he? He's one of the guys in the jail cell when he's when he's Valentine's telling his whole karate story. Oh, really? He's the guy that's kind of like up against the up against the jail oh, cell. Oh, I yeah, yeah, Jean Claude Esposito. Uh, and then uh, after that, we got uh, Winthorpe getting basically framed for stealing, and then him getting booked, which also features another cameo from Frank Oz, who voices Yoda. Yeah, and uh, he kind of plays. He always plays this like sitting down. Like I feel <laughs> yeah. like every single time Frank Oz kind of cameos, I feel like he's always like sitting in like a sitting position. Yeah. with like an overlook camera. Yes. Like I'm, I just like. But yeah, but I did know that one. I did. Catch. Yeah, that yeah. one. Was, well, he's. It's funny too because he's also in uh, Blues Brothers, which is directed by John Landis, mm -hmm. and I think he also plays a cop in that too. I'm, yeah, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. And also more recently, Knives Out. Yes, when it's like it, that's it's, right. It's yeah, like the he's, same, he's like he's like the. It's the same yeah. energy. He yes. always has like the same energy. Um, love for gods, uh, but. Yes. Are you going? Oh, keep going. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm going to keep going here. So then after that, we have uh, Valentine's kind of first night out after getting all this money. And then he has the party at, at, at the house. Mm -hmm. uh, and then we also have the famous train scene where they try to, uh, you know, pull a fast one on Beaks and make the switch for the crop report. And then obviously at the very end, we have the big uh, trading scene. Right. So out of all those, Martin, which one stands those, out to you? It has to be either when he's in prison, when... Um Billy Ray is in prison. You know, that one? Yeah. Because I just love the, um, I love, like we said, his his comedy, his confidence, his um, his cadence, the way like he's he's firing off the two big dudes yeah. that we're talking about. Like, oh, my limo, like the, the phone in my limo was broken. Busted. 
and I can't get in contact with my bitches. Exactly. Uh, and then, but like you say, he's confident because they're calling him out. He's like, look, man, I told you. Yes, man, I still walk in here like a man, so get out of my face, all right? I mean, you, you beating up on a man, you putting a man in a hospital, how come I don't see no marks on you? Yeah, because I'm a karate man, all right? Karate man bruise on the inside. They don't show their weaknesses. But you don't know that because you're a big Barry White looking motherfucker. Now get off my back, all right? But he's like doubling down on his bullshit and, and he's just selling it, hoping that these other people will buy it. And then long and behold, it eventually comes true when he confronts him again at the club. Right, right. He's like, well, as a matter of fact, my limo driver is actually right, right outside. outside. Also, low-key MVP, Coleman. Coleman, yeah. I love Coleman. Bro, bro, Denholm Elliott, who was also in uh, Indiana Jones. Yes, I yeah. feel like those... Uh, those there's something about those like butler, like when you think like of like supporting butler roles, yeah, kind of like do, Mr. Yeah. Deeds. When you think about it, like, oh, he he was like like snobby, like uh, kind of like someone who's like in the family kind of name company, whatever, like mm-hmm. uh, snobby. Always like he was always seen with like snobby people, yes. and then comes this like out of no, out of like like out of character type of person in his yes. life, and it's like and it shines like a whole new light. Think of him like like I said, the guy from Mr. Deeds, or like Carl from like Billy Madison. Oh yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like it's like those types <laughs> of characters that you just like that you gravitate towards. Yeah, and I also love when he's uh, I get I guess it's like more towards the beginning when he's like kind of making that dessert for Penelope and Winthorpe, and then he gets the phone call from the Dukes. I guess who basically tell him like what's about to happen, mm-hmm. and he hangs up the phone. And he just goes, "What a scumbag!" Exactly, <laughs> and that's what he has to deal yeah, with the yeah, whole yeah. time. So, uh, and then. With a weird, like, young Asian wife, which we will get into yeah. <laughs> towards the end. Um, but, yes, it has to be either the prison scene, like I said, or um, the party scene. I fucking love the party scene. Uh, for starters, great music. Yes. And, like I said, it kind of shows... Um, this kind of like the first time that we see a sort of dynamic shift in Billy Ray's character. Yeah, that's where he starts to turn and, right. and kind of embrace now this, this new life that he has. Yeah, and, and almost like responsibility, like, in a way. Because right. at this point, like... Um, uh, like he comes from a broken home, right? Right, from yeah. The ghetto, <laughs> uh, but yeah, like he we he gets like all this money, everything kind of happens, and then he goes into the club, starts like we said, starts flexing, throwing money yep, all over yep. the place. But the second people come over, and he realizes they're kind of freeloaders, and they're like kind of uh, not taking care of his shit. Right, right. Haven't you people ever heard of coasters? Yeah, like exactly. Yeah. Like so, we first see this sort of like dynamic shift in his character, and that's why I really like that scene. So it probably has to be for me the uh, the party scene. The party scene, okay. Yeah, and also because, like, me being a little kid, I was like, <laughs> look at the food. Yeah, look at the <laughs> Which there are a lot in that scene. Oh, yeah. I've been waiting for you, Billy Ray. Put your clothes on and get out there's, oh, there's definitely yes. a lot in that yes. scene. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, but there's there's just so many, like, like I feel like a lot, like, especially when the movie, like, really gets going, like, it's just, like, nonstop. And some of the scenes aren't even, like, like out like out there like funny like it's not like you're like gut busting last but it's just like it's well written it's just it's very well done very well acted i feel like the first like two acts of the film are very strong yeah the third act gets like bonkers it does get bonkers yeah. which is probably why one of my favorite scenes is that train scene where they're all trying to pull a fast one on right on, that's on like Beaks. that's pretty much when everything kind of that's when it, that's when the bonkers shift starts yeah that's when you kind of get into like the screwball comedy aspect because you have yeah. um you have Al Franken and I forget the other dude that played kind of like the baggage handlers. Who are just like stone and weird. Who are just stone like, the entire time, there. yeah. They're there for, um, just for like... Uh, for like comedic purposes, Exactly, yeah, just yeah. kind of move the sort of like you got, uh You got Jim Belushi, who's dressed up as like the gorilla... 
who's just running around the whole time just causing havoc. Yeah, and it's like, why the fuck is there a gorilla <laughs> right, on this yeah, train? Yeah. Like, it doesn't make any well, sense. Well, for whatever reason, they're having a costume party on the train on New Year's Eve, which is weird that there's a New Year's Eve party on a train. Yeah, and you know? not just that, but it's a New Year's costume party. The costume train, party on a train. And then the guy's dressed <laughs> as a gorilla. Coincidentally, there's a fucking gorilla, gorilla on being, the train. Like, an actual gorilla. It's just like, I remember watching that for the first time. I was like, wait, what is going on? Right, right. Like, I was like, is there... I'm like, we're still New Year's, right? I'm like, why are they having a costume party? It's right, really right. weird. And then why is there this fucking gorilla? Like, it was strange. You know, it was what, you know what's strange. weird about that, though? is because, like, watching it as a kid, I just bought it. I'm like, yeah, sure, there's a gorilla yeah, on the train. See, there's also a guy I, in a gorilla I, costume. I also saw it when I was a little bit older. Yeah. And I think if I saw it as a kid, I probably would just, like, like you said, yeah, just, I just, just buy into everything. Just, yeah, yeah like, you don't question it's, it. It's hilarious. And there's boobs. <laughs> right. <laughs> so it's, like, it's awesome. The main takeaway, there's boobs. There is boobs. Uh, Q Yoda Jeff, yeah. but um, but yeah, it was just it was so strange. But uh, but yeah, I do love um, I do love that scene, and also it just goes to show how Beaks just doesn't care, yeah, because he doesn't really recognize him at first, right? So to him, everything's like done and done in, in yeah. the rear of your mirror. So when he first comes in, you would imagine that if he actually somewhat cared, he would have recognized. Him, oh but yeah, absolutely. He didn't. But I like that too because that's kind of where like all like the major actors kind of like flex their comedic chops between Eddie Murphy, Dan Aykroyd, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis. Mm-hmm. And then home Elliot, like they're all We're just, struggling. <laughs> I know, dude. Dude, this this beer is like killing me right now. Yeah, I just like I put it away. I'm like, oof. I chucked it down, and I'm just like, I'm trying to keep it together. Right, mm-hmm. but uh, but yeah, but they're all they're all just hilarious in that scene, and they all bring something like new. Like when each one comes in, and you just see the like, look on Beak's face, like, what the, where the fuck am I yeah, right like, now? What is happening? <laughs> what is happening? It's like another one, another one, and again, when she like puts her like her tits in his face, because yeah, yeah. Beak's being a scumbag, he's like, oh, okay, all right, I'll help you. Everyone yeah. else is like, get the fuck out. But then yeah. we get this like hot chick that comes in. He's yeah. like, all right, you know what? She can stay. You can stay. You yeah. can stay, and I'll help you out with your with your stuff. Please to help me with my rucksack. Oh yeah, sure, why not? Uh, I also do love the uh, the very end scene with the whole like the whole trading aspect. Like even though like it's can be a little confusing to like really like know what's going on here. To this day, I have no idea what, what happened. I don't <laughs> well, really get it. If, if I can if I can try, so it's like the the Dukes were trying to short the market. Right, so, yeah, because so, I was kind of read up on it too, yes. and I was trying to understand, and I kind of get it, but I don't. Right, so it's like the dudes are trying to short the market. So Valentine Winthrop basically give them phony reports. Mm-hmm. Uh, the phony reports basically said were, were driving the price up because I think they expected the oranges to be affected by the winter harvest. The the report from what I read, like yeah, the report pretty much the report that they got the fake one was stating that the oranges are not good. Yes, that they're so going to they be affected by the right, winter. Right, so they were trying to see that doesn't make sense because if if they know it's not good, why are they trying to buy because they're going to sell lower. It's like he says, remember he's like um buy low sell high. Right. But they were kind of doing the opposite. If it's gonna be, if if they wait, know. wait, are you saying Valentine was trying to do the opposite? Valentine no, no, went because the, the Dukes, the, were. the Dukes, they got the report saying that it was bad. They got the right. fake report saying that it was bad. Look yes. at us trying to break down. I know, trying to break down this shit. Yeah, <laughs> they got the the fake report saying the the oranges were gonna be bad. Mm-hmm. So then, why why are you trying to buy up if you're going to if you know that it's bad? I think because they might have already because they like, I think they already had so many people that were possibly already invested in. The orange market mm-hmm. that they were basically just trying to drive the price up more and more because so many people were invested in it and then i guess when the report came out saying that it was bad no well the report the actual report and the actual report said that it was good but good, yeah right. I'm, I'm also a little a little hazy on it as well but right. i just knew that 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 winthorpe and valentine were basically just trying to drive the price up so that when the report came out when it dropped they there, would basically yeah. buy everyone's bad things no they were the, selling it because no one wanted it anymore Everyone bought high, so now everyone was trying to just like pretty much get rid of it. Okay, I'm still confu- we, we might be I'm, confusing I'm, ourselves. I'm, I'm still confused on this. Yeah, I, I, I was coming in here thinking that I was gonna be able to break this down. Be like, oh, yeah, I fucking know this shit, and I was like, 
After no, talking like, about like, I, no, I don't know. I understand <laughs> Billy Ray's and um, Winthorpe. I understand their their yeah. whole notion because they essentially what they sold, like all the contracts, they sold it at like at a higher price mm-hmm. when it's like kind of, um, so they essentially bought more stocks. Right. You know, they got like all these kind of like penny stocks to speak, but I'm still not really 100% sure. Um, <laughs> all I know is the Dukes lost all their money. <laughs> yeah, pretty much, yeah, because they were just like, yeah, so they were, they were buying everything, but that's the only one thing that I didn't really guess. Like, why would you, why, because they told us a guy named Wilson, like their, um, their yes. floor dude. It's like, why would you tell, tell him, to, him to sell? Yeah, why would you tell him to buy in the beginning? It, 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 what it does cause is that it causes everyone else to buy. Yeah. So it almost like, like you said, it launched the price up. So, um, but if the report, if the report that they got, if they thought that the report was real, then it was only going to like pretty much crash the second they found out that it's not good. Right, right. So that's where I was like a little hazy. Yeah, you know? I know. It's but also a great scene too when when the Dukes lose all their money and they just start freaking out. Oh, I fucking love that scene when um. What's it's Mortimer and who's the other Randolph? Dude? Randolph when he starts like die, when he starts having like, a heart, heart attack. Like, it's like, is your brother okay? Mortimer, your brother's not well. Mortimer, your brother's not well. We better call an ambulance. Fuck him! Now you listen to me. I want trading reopened right now. Get those brokers back in here. Turn those machines back on. Turn those machines back on. You know what's crazy too is apparently Don Don Amish who plays that that role hated cursing. Like he was not comfortable cursing at all, and he and he's the one that drops like the the, the, the N word, the hard N word in this yeah. movie too. And apparently, hard like R. like the yeah. So apparently, after that, he like was apologizing to like everybody on set. He was apologizing to the crew, apologized to Eddie Murphy after he said the N word. Like all def- like he was just constantly like it reminded me a lot of uh, of DiCaprio in in Django Unchained because he was also very uncomfortable with uh with saying the N word as well. Like he wasn't. He's like I'm not I'm not cool. Yeah, with I mean, this. well, it's guaranteed in a movie. It's a guarantee. It's a guarantee. Yeah. But I think I think Sam Jackson was also like stop being a pussy and just say it. <laughs> And then Sam Jackson tells Sam you. Jackson, like, all right, okay. All right, I might as well. Like, I'll get a free pass. I, I got the pass. I get the pass. <laughs> but uh, so yeah, so those are some some really great scenes. Obviously, there's also just some really great moments. Like I love when Winthorpe is trying to hawk his uh, his watch in the uh, in the pawn shop. There's a nice little just dynamic. I love when he's describing like what the watch is and he's trying to sell it to this guy. And he's like, it's hot. No, no, no. This is a Rochefoucauld, the thinnest water-resistant watch in the world. Singularly unique, sculptured in design, handcrafted in Switzerland, and water-resistant to three atmospheres. This is the sports watch of the 80s. $6,955 retail. You got a receipt? It tells time simultaneously in Monte Carlo, Beverly Hills, London, Paris, Rome, and Stad. In Philadelphia, it's worth 50 bucks. It's like it's hot. It burnt my fingers, man. <laughs> you know what? Only because I'm weird, I'm going to look up uh, the trading the stocks. You're going to look up the yeah. trading stocks? What should I Google? How did they become rich? I think it's also on Wikipedia, too. Like, if you go on Wikipedia, it actually describes, like, the ending. Why don't you explain this to me like I'm five? <laughs> uh, okay, so then the fake report says that the crop was bad. Yes. Okay? The Duke Bar ceases and believe the price of OJ... Okay, that makes sense. Okay, so that, so if the so <laughs> here we are. Less oranges means that oh mean okay. So if there's less oranges, that means yes. orange juice is gonna be more valuable. Yes, because there's only so much oranges <laughs> to make orange juice from. Look at us, look at us, dude. I feel like this this is, this is like this is like one of my other favorite scenes in the movie is when Valentine's gonna explain to you what commodities brokers are. Now, what are commodities? Commodities are agricultural products like coffee that you had for breakfast. Wheat, which is used to make bread. Pork bellies, which is used to make bacon, which you might find in a bacon and lettuce and tomato sandwich. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> we're going to go to, we're going to hit um, Wall Street after this. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so 
Okay, yeah. So they got the report that the oranges were bad. Right. So they thought, okay, that makes it's gonna make OJ more valuable. So buy, 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 buy. But in regards, when in in when in actuality, the orange was really good, which doesn't make OJ that much valuable because there's so many fucking oranges. Yes. So then everyone's just trying to get rid of it because they know it's not that valuable. Right. And since they bought, uh, and since they bought low they essentially sold really high right because because yeah because they sold because when it was all done it was like 29 cents yes and they sold it like at like a dollar 42 right right so they sold it almost like what fucking five times basically yeah okay we get it now. yeah okay, okay yeah. it's there it's there it. see that it. see that we worked it out on the podcast and now we know bro now we're gonna make me, so much fucking money put me on wall street <laughs> now i'll sell orange juice um, all right, so moving on to uh, one of my favorite questions. Who would you want to have a beer with? Out of all the characters in this movie, man, who would you want to have a beer with? And it could be one of the big actors. It could be one of the minor actors. Like, there's so many different Wait, people. Wait, we don't do actors, though. We normally do characters. Well, that's what I mean, characters. Yeah, you said yeah. actors. Oh, I said actors. Why yeah. am I characters? Because there's so many so many great actors that play small parts in this movie. So, mm-hmm. you know. Um, who would you pick, Martin? Who would you pick? The gorilla. Just kidding. The gorilla. Uh, probably Eddie Murphy. Probably, probably Eddie Murphy. Uh, probably, probably Billy Ray. Just like like I said before, um, get Billy Ray fresh off prison. You right, know, right. Like, let's yeah. go off. Uh, let's go to the bars, get some drinks. He's gonna pay for everything, and uh, and yeah, and then we can just have a laugh. He can crack me up. He can tell me some good stories. Like if we if we talk about like um, Louis, like he's kind of boring. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's like I don't really. No, we need Louis when he doesn't have all of his money. Yeah, you know. So I'm like, I'm not trying to like you know do all this shit. Or maybe Ophelia kind of get her backstory. Yeah, you know? yeah, Ophelia um, could be a good one. Yeah, maybe get a whole backstory of like what because she mentions a little bit how she came from this little town that no one's heard of. So uh, yeah, I mean, I feel like I would be uncomfortable at a at a day drink a uh, drink date with the Duke brothers. I, like that's just not me. Like no, I'm no, not. No, that's no. not my scene. I'm like uh, even like when I. Uh, I'm not gonna get into that. But um, <laughs> but yeah, I I would not be. I would not be like a. I don't think that would be for me. So I'll probably just say uh, probably say, Billy Ray. Billy Ray. Yeah. Okay. Bro, give me give me Barry White and Mister Yeah. Oh, the two prison. The dudes? two prison dudes, man. Oh, my yeah, God. absolutely. I mean, are, well, they were drinking there. They were drinking there. Mm-hmm. And, like, it kind of reminds me of, like, Parker and Brett from Alien. It's like, these are two, like, blue-collar guys. They've mm-hmm. served some time. Probably got all kinds of stories. And yeah, honestly, yeah. man, they probably have... They look like they have a good time when they go out drinking. So, give me those guys, man. True, but they don't have... But, you know, you won't be able to rack a, a high-ass tab. It's very true. Yeah, I'm going to have to pay for everything. I'm yeah. going to have to pay for their drinks, too. <laughs> yeah, because you're not going to be like, oh, I'm going to go to the bathroom. They're both going to bail on you. And mm-hmm. they're going to leave you with the fucking tab. That's exactly That's what's going to yeah. happen. You know what? Wild card, though. Coleman. I feel like Coleman might be fun. Coleman might be fun because he's like your um like your coworker that you sh- that you talk shit about. How about your boss? Yeah, with you? yeah, yeah. So like <laughs> you're gonna go to him and he's gonna vent. Be like, I gotta wait on these two fucking douchebags, these scumbag people, these rich folks that I hate. I, I'm just trying to save enough money to get the fuck out. You know, yeah, it's, yeah, just, yeah. Like, it's gonna be like one big vent fest. Yes. And you're gonna be like, you know what? Cheers to that, bro. And right, you're right. Just gonna like enjoy your drink. <laughs> so definitely, yeah, I would not mind grabbing a drink with Coleman. Absolutely. All right, so in watching Trading Places, Martin, uh, where does Trading Places kind of rank in, I guess, the pantheon of comedies, uh, but also maybe Christmas films? Maybe where does it rank for you in terms of Eddie Murphy's movies? Uh, in, te- in terms of Eddie Murphy movies, it's definitely up there. Because um, we, we also have to keep in mind that like he took a huge, like he disappeared for a while. Yeah. So you want to talk about maybe like um 20 years, like in total, maybe like, 25 to 30 years if that you're talking about in terms of like his his career yeah in terms yeah. of like his filmography so um like i mean he just came back with dolomite is my name which was incredible mm-hmm. um i really loved that 
and I really loved seeing him come back. But um, like his early two thousand comedies, like just didn't have that. I don't think it had that kind of like magic. It didn't. I, yeah. Like I don't. I don't know what happened. It just got like 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 he had some some really bad movies like between like Pluto Nash and yeah. But even like even though I don't hate Bowfinger, again I haven't seen him in a long time. Oh, see, I like Bowfinger. Yeah, I haven't I seen him like in a while. But it's like it's like those movies that just kind of felt like more kind of just like tempered down. I also want to say like um, it's also signs of the times that were changing. So maybe there were certain things that he could get away with in like the eighties, early nineties. Very possible that maybe it's were um, you know a little bit more sensitive to touch up on. Actually, you know it's funny. Bowfinger was directed by Frank Oz. Really? Yeah, that's great. Yeah, uh, the one <laughs> the one scene that always fucking gets me is like when they're. Um, Remember when they're like, we need a film crew. So they go to like the fucking border and they open the van and everyone's oh just like... Oh my God, dude. Yeah, everyone's just like <laughs> running into the van. Like they close and they take off. Dude, I honestly think Bowfinger's underrated. There's a lot of funny moments in that movie. Obviously, also crossing the highway. Yeah, yeah, crossing the highway. Yep, yeah, uh, that's a good one. But um, what was the movie when he was um? I don't was it Bowfinger? He's like I think two drops of pee came out when they're doing like the big chase. It might have been. It might have been that. And they're like, and he's the one dude's like on the car. Yes, yes. I'm not sure if that's uh, both. yeah, but uh. Oh no, I think it was uh Showtime. Was that Showtime? It was Showtime. It was Showtime. Yeah, yep. Showtime. Yep. Yes, yes. See that one too. It's like yeah, it just, Showtime's it, not good. It just like I just felt like he just lo- like he did just, like he did uh there was Showtime with De Niro. He did I Spy with Owen Wilson, which wasn't good. And then like and then like like before he he kind of went away. And that was Famke. was Famke Jensen. Right? Yeah, Famke Jensen. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But he had like do you remember um. He got like this, this this string of just really bad comedies. Like he did like Norbit, which sucked. Uh, Meet Dave. I don't know if you remember. Do you remember Meet Dave? I don't think so. He was like he played like uh, he played like they like it was almost like they were all like aliens, and he was inside like oh a robotic version of himself. I remember, yeah, I remember yeah, yeah, the yeah. cover. Yes, I remember the the film cover. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah, Norbit was just him trying to kind of re recapture that. that yeah, uh, like, like, like the like Nutty professor, professor kind yeah, of vibe, yeah. magic. Um, but yeah, that was just something about um, even like the se- like his sequels I did like the Night Professor two like I did not yeah, like yeah it wasn't good so I don't know I just saw like he just he it, like his not just him because I think he was always like he always did good but I just think his movies in general just lost like a ma- uh, like certain like edge and magic to them yeah I mean this could also be a critique on on comedy in in general because I feel like that you know a lot of the movies that he did in like the eighties and and even in, into like the nineties that were that were considered good. Um, because you know he's 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 been always been an actor that's had like a string of hits and then a string of bombs and then a string of hits and then a string of bombs. So it's like it's it's kind of like a bit of a roller coaster with his career. And I don't know if it's just that like the writing the writers changed for comedy and the, and the type of directing changed and he just didn't pick like the right projects and you know I'm not sure I don't know what really like like what caused like a lot of different things. I know there were a lot of moments where he tried to take a lot of creative control mm-hmm. over stuff and that's kind of where things went a little wonky. You know what I mean? So I think it could have been a little bit of that as well. Probably. I mean, that, that's. I mean, I think Pluto Nash he funded most of it. Yeah, didn't he? yeah, and it's Pluto Nash is like, one of the biggest bombs of all yeah, time. Yeah, like just like no one wanted to make it, and rightfully so, and it, <laughs> yeah. it fucking bombed. Um, but I also do think. Uh, so yeah, I would definitely put this up towards like in his top tier films up there with like Beverly Hills Cop, mm-hmm. with Night Professor, with um, Dolomite is my name, uh, more recently, and uh, yeah, and in terms of Christmas movies. See, I don't know. It's weird because I can't really name that many Christmas movies off the top of my head. 
I'll, like, just, I'll just say like I know if, like for my for my top Christmas movies, I usually gravitate towards the ones that are like off kilter Christmas movies. Like they're not so much like the Santa Claus or Elf. Even, even, even though even though even though I love those movies, but yeah, they kind of like take place, take place and, during Christmas, time. and maybe they have some some sort of Christmas thing as part of the plot. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But that's kind of like where I kind of gravitate towards when it's it comes like Batman to Returns. Holiday. Yeah, Batman Returns, <laughs> Shazam, uh, Lethal Weapon, Shazam, Scrooge, Scrooge, yeah. Scrooge is good. Uh, Lethal Weapon's a go. That's a good one too. Um, Obviously, like Home Alone, which is like the the main the one. main one, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. You know what? For now, I'm just to play it safe because I'm just thinking of like the handfuls that we just kind of named. Yeah, I would probably give the slight edge to. Okay. So I'd probably put this either like towards the bottom of the top tier or like very top of middle tier. Of middle tier. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And in terms of like like Eddie Murphy movies, do you have like a favorite like Eddie Murphy like a clear cut like this a is clear what, cut like this oh is my, my favorite. God. See, I love the first Doctor Doolittle only for like nostalgic reasons because <laughs> just growing up. And even I caught it recently, like maybe two or three years ago. And I was like, oh, I fucking love this movie. Yeah. Um, and his wife was a smoke show in that movie. Mm. It has to be between Beverly Hills Cop. Mm-hmm. Or uh, yeah, I'd probably say between Beverly Hills Cop or like Doctor Doolittle. Doctor Doolittle only, only because like of just what it meant to me growing up. Right, right. Yeah. Which is fine because I never would expect you to say Doctor Doolittle. For, yeah, it's like, not the greatest, like, but I just remember like I, I watched that movie so much when I was like younger, and and I wanted to watch more Eddie Murphy movies, but my parents fucking wouldn't let me. I was like, no, we saw Magic. Like, nope, 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 nope. Because of Metro, you can't watch any more. Yeah, yeah, that shitty movie. Have you ever seen? Have you ever seen Life with uh, him and Martin Lawrence where they go to prison? See, the thing is, bro, is like. It sounds so familiar. Yeah, but like, I like the second I saw like the trailer or yes. some like stills from it, I'd be like, yes, yeah. yeah. I def- but I, I couldn't pull it. Right it's now. it's it's definitely a good one. It's it's it's. I think it's one of the ones that's really underrated in his filmography. But like, I know for me, I think Coming to America might be my all time favorite Eddie Murphy movie. And Trading Places is, is either number two or number three, either in front of Beverly Hills Cop or, de- or behind it, depending on you See, know. The thing the is, day, like, I have Coming to America right here, and I wasn't even thinking of that. Yeah, I was like too. I was too obsessed thinking of uh, Doctor Doolittle, the fucking tiger. <laughs> Um, well, I also love animals too. Yeah, yeah. So I remember just like, I was like, oh, that would be the greatest power in the world right, to talk right. to animals. Um, actually, yeah. So I would put coming to, yeah, Martin, get over yourself. You must be out of your goddamn mind. Coming to America is definitely, I would put coming to America over fucking Dr. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I would say like Beverly Hills. Um, I think, yeah, I think that's, that's like your trifecta, training places, Beverly Hills, um, cop and coming to America. Yeah. Like, and that's what I'm saying. It has like that. Those movies just have that edge. It's the edge. Yep. It is. It's like, and I think maybe um, it's like unfiltered, uncensored. It's exactly. un- un- unapologetic exactly. of, of the jokes it tells and what it's trying to be. That's where he like, even like Don't Mind My Name, Don't Mind My Name is like that. Yeah. It doesn't give a fuck. Yes. It just kind of comes out, puts it all on the table. Like you said, unapologetic, uncensored. So I think when he kind of, when he's in that sort of environment, that atmosphere is when he really like excels. I think maybe over the, over certain time years maybe uh shit might have gotten too sensitive to especially nowadays like we were talking about this movie would get training place would get ripped apart bro bro nowadays. you know what you know what let's i actually do really want to jump into that because mm-hmm. we were talking about this a little bit before like like when this movie came out obviously it's it's when you watch it now especially it's, it's definitely a product of its time but if you were looking at it today under the lens of, of 2020 and, you know, in today's and, world. and woke culture and PC culture and people can, out here trying to cancel kindergarten cop. I know people are trying to cancel it. kindergarten <laughs> cop, bro. You think train place is going to do well? And like, and, I, and as I was watching this, I, I had that in the back of my head because, you know, and even though I do watch this movie frequently, I, I don't know why I completely forgot this, but I'm, I'm watching it. And I'm like, I'm like, yeah, I'm like, they, you know, obviously like there's a lot of shit with, you know, like, you know, 
uh, Jamie Lee Curtis's character, and then you know there's a lot of cursing, and obviously like they drop the N word a couple times, so it's like all right, it's bad, but it's not that bad. And then I thought about, it, I was like, holy shit, I completely forgot Dan Aykroyd does blackface in this. Yeah, pretty much. And I was like, and, what the fuck? And pulls <laughs> you know? off like a really intense accent. Yeah. Not to mention <laughs> yeah. that like uh, you throw beaks in the cage with a gorilla, and the gorilla like fucks him. Right. Exactly. Like, exactly. Yeah, it's like oh, okay, now we're getting there, which is why which is why I think you said that like the third. The third act of this movie just goes bonkers. Yeah, it doesn't care. It gets screwball comedy aspect, you and like, know. And the, and the use of the N word is in such a like a um, it's it's like in a really like derogatory. Oh, it's a really hateful way yeah. for sure. So, really hateful way. So yeah, nowadays I I think this movie would get like ripped apart. Um, so I think it, I think a lot of it has to do with that. It's just how I think over because even like you fast forward like ten years later, like um, in like the nineties. Yeah, like in the nineties because um. Like even then, like in the nineties, you had like the um, you had like your your parody films, right? Like a lot of like like we we're talking about like Hot Shots, Airplane, a lot of like Leslie yes. Nielsen films, Charlie Sheen movies, but those were like in those were bonkers all the way through. Yes, like it knew what it was yes. and it fully exploited. Didn't, didn't that. take itself seriously, which just was literally meant to make fun of other movies. Yeah, and then this one kind of falls a little bit into that camp, like in the third act. Mm -hmm. um, but in the beginning, it's like a very well constructed, very like well um, well made movie. Right, like it's it's it's. It's gonna be strange to say this, but it's like, for, especially for like, a, I guess because it's comedy, because comedy can be over the top, like you said, like with the mm -hmm. parody movies, and even like we're getting to like, like you know, close to our time with like Anchorman and things like that, where it's just so over the top, but it's funny. Mm -hmm. But like Trading Places was, it, it was like a real movie. It felt like it was a real movie with real yeah. characters, and it felt grounded. And yeah, it was very well made. It was like yes. very well constructed. Like like you said, it, it's flushed out very well. So once we get into like like the whole thing with like Meeks in that room and. Uh, Beaks, I'm sorry. Beaks, yeah. Beaks in that room, in, in the little train room with all these like weird characters. Like, it's just like, it, yes. it, you can just like tell, like, this is kind of ridiculous. It's over the top for sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, and the fact that it's like it's playing along. Yeah. It, it kind of falls like, okay, yeah, you know, we know it's ridiculous. We know we have these two, like, um, these two baggage claim clowns that are just for comedic purposes. Jim Belushi's got a gorilla costume, like, coincidentally. Right, coincidentally. We yeah. have a fucking gorilla that we're like, yes, that, that's, getting, that's getting transported. Transported yeah. to Africa. Like, yeah. it, it, none of it kind of like make, make sense, but it's just like all right like whatever you just kind of buy into it so i wonder like um i wonder like if if this movie came out just like 10 years later yeah. i wonder if maybe would have like uh it definitely would have been different because because yeah. like because like i said like like when like when this comes out it's 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 rooted in its time and you know it's funny too because like the movie is still pretty relevant in it's in its themes of like you know greed and and kind of like your um the class the different classes and mm -hmm. things like that yeah exactly and and I, you know, I also wonder too, because, you know, it, it, it brings up the case of, of nature versus nurture and like the type of environments that you grow up in. And, and it could be seen, I guess, as problematic as saying in the end, money solves all your problems. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? But like, I feel like that that's kind of where the, the fantastical element of it comes from, because like, you know, that's kind of why, like, I, I really like this movie, because I think it does touch on a lot of real world issues and stuff that's still very relevant today. But obviously it knows that it's a comedy and it's not trying to teach you something. You know, it wants to be at the end of the day, it wants to entertain you, it wants to make you laugh. So that's mm -hmm. why like maybe towards the end it gets a little bit over the top. And that's what makes it like really fun. And then obviously the end they, you know, put the dukes out, they get all the money and they're chilling on the island, and that's how the movie ends. So it's like a, it's a it's a fantasy, you know what right. I mean? But for me, those first two acts work so much better. Yeah, yeah. I think like when you're like uh I remember like when I first saw it, I was like really I was like really engaged. Mm -hmm. and I was like, I'm really into this. And then like it just kind of goes bonkers. But overall, I still really, really enjoy the movie. And um, yeah, it's definitely one that just, 
Imagine like imagine like if, if this movie came out today and just a still of the blackface was released. Oh my god! The dude. movie gets shut down automatically. Oh, shut down automatically, or, or be changed. Right, you know, it's right. Like, it's fucking crazy. And it's like it, you know, not not that I want to make a comment on the use of of doing blackface, obviously, because you know, it's 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 not it's not something that I would that I would recommend doing. You know what yeah. I mean? But like if you look at it in the context of the movie, obviously, you know, they're going into this they're going into this this box car. Uh, you know, Beaks knows who they are. You know, he knows who Winthorpe, you know, Winthorpe looks like. So obviously what's the best disguise he could come up with. And it's like in the context of the movie, it's like, all right, like, uh, I'll roll with this a little bit. Not but the greatest <laughs> not idea. The, not the greatest idea, but, but it's like time, at the time. It was like, you know. Uh, yeah, yeah. So it's, it could be seen as problematic, but it's still, you know, between, you know, and this also just, I think it works. I think it works for me because it's the dynamic between Dan Aykroyd and Eddie Murphy. Like when they when they finally do team up at the end, they make for such a great pair, and I think they play off each other so well. Mm-hmm. So when you get to that scene and they're just kind of going back and forth with one another, it's it's funny. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's funny and it's entertaining. Yeah, I also love the moment where uh, they're going into to into the, the the market, and he's and he's like he's trying to hype he's, up Eddie Murphy. And yeah, and he's yeah, telling him either kill, kill or be killed. Exactly. Yeah. Think big. Think positive. Never show any sign of weakness. Always go for the throat. Buy low, sell high. Fear, that's the other guy's problem. Nothing you have ever experienced can prepare you for the unbridled carnage you're about to witness. The Super Bowl, the World Series, they don't know what pressure is. In this building, it's either kill or be killed. You make no friends in the pits and you take no prisoners. One minute, you're up half a million in soybeans, and the next, boom, your kids don't go to college and they've repossessed your Bentley. Are you with me? Yeah, but we gotta kill them, motherfucker! We gotta kill them! So yeah, it's a great dynamic between them, between all the characters, and I obviously just love the uh, the turnout between him and Ophelia. Oh, I know, up, yeah. They end up like being together. Yes, so, yeah. Uh, so yeah, great characters, great movie, and I really enjoy it. Yeah, you know what? Too, I also got like a little nostalgic too, seeing uh, seeing the World Trade Center in this because this is one of those movies I think that like the World Trade Center is almost like a very prominent character, you know, in the movie. Mm-hmm. You know, because like you get some some movies that that dealt with New York like in the past and like the you know the World Trade Center is like that one building that was always featured just because it was just you know, it's the World Trade Center. Because it was always a skyline. It was always a skyline. And you always just saw it. And you yeah, always saw and it. And it always um, it does always hit every single yeah. time I see the World Trade Center in movies. It, it does always hit. Um, it just kind of has that that impact. But yeah, this is but it's like we said. So for the most part. Whenever you get those like um, old school films, it's it's a skyline shot. Yeah, yeah. But this is different. You're like in there. You're in there. You're yeah. In there, and you get that really great shot of like looking up. Yeah. So yep. it's a, it's almost like a ground level shot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's what you would do like walking by. I still do that now. Whenever I walk by, um, the oh, the, the Freedom Tower. When I walk, I always kind of like stop and I just look up. Um, you can't help but just like, yeah, especially yeah, yeah. um, uh, having some familiar familiarity with architecture as well. Right, right. You kind of just kind of can't help but to just kind of stop and, and just look up and uh. And just stare at it. Yeah. Now, I don't know, maybe appreciate it, but... Uh, yeah, no, but, but probably, definitely, yeah. like definitely just like stare at it and uh, kind of just take it in for you, Yeah, you're, you're kind of like in awe of it. You know, yeah, it's you're just, just like, this oh, grand building. it's like yeah. this massive fucking building and, and you just kind of like get immersed in, in a little bit of the history and everything that was there and blah, blah, blah. And this is a whole other story that we're getting <laughs> into. But yeah, whenever I do see the... the, um, the uh, Freedom Tower and you know, fuck it you know like I went to architecture school yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to like I'm always trying to be so coy but okay yeah I went to architecture school and like obviously like learning so much Bro, about you it you appreciate it yeah like you learn so much about like about like uh, about obviously like construction and all that stuff and then you when you learn about you know the 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 World Trade Center and and how it was built and the type of structure and everything it's like it, it, it always puts like a different um, uh, it just kind of puts like a different view on it yes. from my from my from your perspective yeah. yeah so uh so just kind of like uh in a way sort of like always checking out architecture everywhere you go it does kind of just kind of um whenever i see it, i'm just like oh i would have loved to like 
like me now with like my knowledge and, and kind of in my sort of understanding of, of everything that I've learned, um, I, would, I would love to like be there and yeah, you know, yeah. just admire it and be inside and check it out and, right. and, um, and take it in. So, um, so yeah, it is, I always, every single time I see it, it obviously because of what happened, right. obviously, but just like, um, but for those reasons alone too, just of like, I like, I, I wish I, I wish I experienced it. I know. Absolutely, man. Yeah. Absolutely. So yeah, just to reiterate, um, for me, like I do, I absolutely love this movie for, in terms of comedies, it's probably in my top 10, you know, just because of the fact that I did grow up with it and I've been watching it for so many years and mm. you know, it's never gotten dull to me. It's never lost its edge. It's always funny. I always laugh at all the same scenes and yeah, this was my first time watching it in almost like a couple of years. Yeah. I want to say maybe like, maybe like four or five years mm -hmm. is when I last saw it. And yeah, and just and I'm just like, and like I said, those first two actors, I'm just like, ah, oh, this movie's so good. Like yeah. you're just like definitely like engaged and like sucked in there, and you're just like taking it on, and it's a really great film. Definitely, definitely. All right, so we're gonna get into some some effing facts about the movie. We've been kind of talking a little bit about how this movie was very big for a lot of different actors in their careers. Uh, obviously, for Eddie Murphy, it was only his second film, but this was kind of like his very big breakout. Uh, for uh, Don Amich, who plays. Um, I forget if it's Randolph or Mortimer, which one he plays. Why am I Donnie Amish plays Mortimer. He plays Mortimer, yes. Yeah, yes. Um, what's his face? Uh, Bellamy yeah, plays... Yeah, Ralph Bellamy plays... Ralph Bellamy plays yes. uh, Randolph. Randolph. Yes. Randolph Duke. Uh, but yeah, so Don Amish, um, he actually was not acting for like the longest time before he got cast in this movie. And so much so that director John Landis thought he was dead. He's like, is Don Amish dead? <laughs> when they were trying to cast him. <laughs> which That's is great. fucked up. But this movie kind of revived his career because after this, he went on to star in... Uh, remember the movie Cocoon? Yes. With uh, Wolfer Brimley? Yes. Yes. yes yeah, course. yeah. So Don Amish won uh, Best Supporting Actor for the, for Cocoon. Really? Yeah, he won the Academy Award for That's that. That's funny, because when we were talking about Wolfer Brimley uh, not too long ago, yeah, when, when he passed, passed, passed away, away yeah. talking about, I'm like, oh my God, I forgot about Cocoon. And I actually went back and watched a little bit of it. Oh, you did? Yeah. Nice. Just, like on, just like YouTube clips. And right, stuff yeah, like yeah, that. yeah, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, talking about a blast from the I know, past, yeah, that's definitely. A, that's definitely yeah. a blast from the past. Um, and then for Dan Aykroyd, this was a much needed hit for him. I think he had like a string of bombs leading up to this. Uh, but then after this, he went on to do Ghostbusters and Spies Like Us. So it was kind of a nice career boost for him. And then obviously we talked about Jamie Lee Curtis, how the studio was very nervous about casting her since she had only done horror movies. Uh, but this really like kickstarted her career. Obviously she went on to do um, other comedies like A Fish Called Wanda. And then eventually... I fucking... Love a fish called Wanda. Dude, I so good. Love a fish called Wanda yeah. so much. I yeah, it's a great. Film. It's a great movie. Yeah. And then uh, and then obviously then uh, one of our favorites, True Lies, oh. which even though it's an action movie, she's hilarious. In she's it. so good. Yeah, yeah, she's so good. We definitely have to do it. I I, I want to do like an Arnie marathon. No, we're definitely gonna do an and Arnie just marathon. do like yeah. a discussion of all the Arnie yes, movies. Yes, yes, we should. We we will definitely do that. Uh, and then moving on uh, for this film, it was originally called Black and White. And it was going to star Gene Wilder and Richard Pryor. Uh, when Richard Pryor had to drop out, Eddie Murphy came aboard and he wanted Gene Wilder replaced because Eddie Murphy didn't want to be compared to Richard Pryor, which was interesting. Hmm. Because, I would think because maybe because um, Gene Wilder, bro, I mean, you're talking about like fucking like, in the like, 80s. Yeah, like you're legend. talking about like icon. Yeah. Like I would imagine that, like, like you said, like kind of like an up and newcomer. You kind of don't want to go up like, like Ruffle Feathers like that. Yeah. yeah. And it's kind of might be a little like, intimidating. Right. You know, also age difference. Too. Right, right. So, uh, so yeah, that's interesting. But I, th um, I think they made the right call though, because like even though Gene Wilder is, you know, Gene Wilder's great. Like I love, like Gene Wilder's like an absolute icon, like you said. Uh, but for this, like you know, seeing Dan Aykroyd in this role, like I don't, I can't see anybody. No, else and I think him. I think a big thing for me, just me personally, I think it's the age difference. Yeah, I think because I think since they're both kind of like around the same sort of age, they can kind of uh, relate to each other a little bit more, and they kind of like these are like just two friends. 
who like in a way kind of have like a background right like a, right like a history with him yeah, yeah, yeah so i think if you would have had like um like when you think of the dukes these two much older gentlemen or even like coleman right you know who's like my, like you you can just tell like these guys have like experience yes you no know, like they've been around it for a long time right and i like the fact of like um because he even talk about how uh how uh, Louis Winthrop could like in how he can like you put him anywhere and, and he'll survive. He'll survive, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I like this kind of like the whole notion of like a up and coming hot shot young right. sort of like investor. So I think yeah, definitely in my opinion, definitely plays better. Yeah, it was it was uh, the right choice for sure. Yeah, in an alternate world, if we ever see like you know if we once we start learn how to um, jump realms, jump realms go to the multiverse. <laughs> yeah, and we go to like Earth, yeah. uh, whatever Earth yeah. sixteen. And we see the uh, Eddie Murphy and Gene Wilder. Then we'll, places, yeah. yeah. Then we'll 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 make another uh, right, right. another with <laughs> with uh, with Dan Aykroyd in a uh, Willie Ch- Charlie and Chocolate Factory. Charlie and Chocolate, wow, dude! Like a little uh, oh my swap. god! No, is it? It's not Charlie. It's Will, uh, Willie. Willie. Yeah, Willie Wonka and Chocolate Factory. Willie Wonka and the Chocolate yes, Factory. Yes. Yeah, Charlie and Chocolate Factory is the Tim Burton version. Burton, yeah, yeah, right, right. But yeah, once we get there, dude, that's like that's like in uh, in Last Action Hero with uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, where he's uh, he goes in the video store and it's Sylvester Stallone that plays the Terminator. Yes. Terminator two. Yeah. Oh, I gotta watch that movie. I love, I love uh, Last Action Hero. That movie so much. Uh, I found this one absolutely hilarious. So apparently in Italy, every year since 1997, this channel Italia One broadcasts trading places on Christmas Eve every night. Like why? Because what's her face? Um, Penelope. She's she's like a Norwegian actress. I believe. Yeah. So like I was thinking maybe I don't know what it is with with the I guess Italians just love trading places. I guess so. I, mean, I love trading places. So yeah. There you yeah. go. Uh, <laughs> so I mean, there it is. There it is. There sure. Obviously in this movie there's a lot of like improv, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of really funny scenes that that come out of just like what happens on the day that they were filming. One of them being uh the scene where Mortimer catches the money clip. He kind of gets the money clip tossed you can to him, ca- and you can, you can tell, tell that he's just like fumbling. Yeah, he's like, eventually yeah, catches you can it. Tell. Yeah. So, uh, so I remember when I first saw him, like, wait, was that real? Is that really? It yeah. was definitely like you can tell how genuine it was. Yeah, and then obviously Eddie Murphy does a lot of improv in this movie, and then I didn't realize this, but apparently, like for uh, Ophelia when she's wearing um, her disguise at the end in the train scene, I think like originally Jamie Lee Curtis was supposed to do an Austrian accent. But she couldn't do it, so she did a Swedish accent instead. But she was dressed like an Austrian, so that's why. Like I don't know if that exchange between Coleman, where he's like, "But you're wearing lederhosen." I don't know if that was all improv. Which, if it was, that's phenomenal. Well, that's that's yeah. great improv. You know what I mean? I but think like, it was very on the nose. Yes. So I think they were, they were like pretty much like, "Okay, this is what the script call, calls for. We can't change it, and you can't do it. So fuck it. We're just gonna go. We're with gonna it. go with this. Yeah. So yeah. we're just kind of we're pretty much gonna get we're ahead change of it up a little yeah, bit. We're yeah, we're gonna yeah, get yeah. ahead of it. Like, yeah, you're saying you're from Sweden, but you're clearly wearing Austria Austria yes. garb. So. We're just kind of going to get in front of it and uh, make like a little jab about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Let me see now. You would be from uh, Austria, am I right? No, I am Inga from Sweden. Sweden? But you're wearing lederhosen. Yeah, for sure, from Sweden. Uh, the Weston Hotel, which is located in Philadelphia, has a restaurant named Winthorpe and Valentine, named after the two characters of the movie. Bro, if you're an if you're an icon in a Philadelphia movie, you're gonna live on forever. You're live on forever, man. Rocky, Rocky statue, yeah. like fucking. <laughs> you have your own restaurant. It's wild. Yeah, it's so cool. I actually want to go there and eat now. Uh, and then um, the other thing too was uh, this would probably be more for people that are actually interested in like stock trading and doing all that. Other, you know what the movie deals with, but the fact that like you see at the end of the movie them doing their trading on the floor and how chaotic it is and everyone's trying to buy and sell with all these little pieces of paper. 
obviously nowadays they don't do that anymore. It's all done on computers, so there's no need for that Digital kind of era, bro. that kind of trading. Which, which I mean, even for me, like not having that much of an interest in like stocks and all that kind of stuff, like I do love this that scene. And I love how, like I said, just how chaotic it is, mm-hmm. and it's just like that. Just feels like, like very, how do you even keep up? I don't know, but that just feels like, very like New York to me. Like that scene, it's that energy. Yeah, that energy. Yeah, yeah. it also reminds me of, like Wolf of Wall Street. Yes, you know? yes. Let's fuck. <laughs> Exactly. Um, the other thing too, the uh, the opening, which we didn't really talk about. I do love the opening titles, um, just because like I love the how it kind of really just gets you in like the mood, just that contrast between like you know like rich and poor, and like how it just cross cuts between like you know Winthorpe living in his nice you know cozy, getting breakfast in bed, mm-hmm. and you know he's got all this money, and then you're like flashing to people like you know homeless on the street and, and things like cold. that. It's cold. You can yeah, tell it's yeah, cold. Yeah, definitely. Um, but the music that's playing is Mozart's uh, Marriage of Figaro, which is uh, translates, I guess, to, like the day of madness. Mm-hmm. So that's a nice little setup to the whole um, the of what's going to happen. The whole day of what's going to happen. Yeah. Exactly. And the other thing too was uh, we didn't talk about this either. This movie does, and it got nominated for Academy Award. This movie does have a really, really pretty good original score. And that's the thing with comedies, man. Comedies usually don't have original scores. They usually just pull like kind of like music from like either the era that they're in or whatever's popular at the time. So I always well, this loved, did that too. This did that too. Yeah. It did that too a little bit, yeah. but like for the main part, like its main thing is like it has an original score. And I do appreciate when comedies actually have their own specific score. To their Who's movie. the composer? Uh, the guy's name is. I have this in my notes. Where is it? Where is it? Elmer Bernstein. I'm not I have no idea who that is, but no he did a good job. He did a good job. That's a very uh, familiar name, though. I feel yeah, like, and, uh, uh, Elmer Bernstein. Elmer Bernstein. <laughs> I feel like I definitely heard that somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, because like when we said the party, the house, also the party in the train. Right, like, right. Yeah, like they pull, uh, they pull some music there. So uh, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, definitely. Very interesting. And then finally, um, the theme of you know a rich person and a poor person kind of exchanging positions uh, comes from the Mark Twain novel The Prince and the Pauper, which I think was a big influence on this movie. Cool. I know. Just, uh, just an interesting effing fact. Effing fact. Effing fact. Uh, Martin, anything else you want to say on Trading Places before we close this out? Uh, no. Not really. Definitely. It's, uh, I definitely enjoy this movie. It's a lot of fun. And uh, I maybe I don't watch it. I don't watch it as often as you do. Yeah. But every time I've you know gone back and revisited, um, which hasn't been that much, to be honest. I think maybe my whole life, if I have seen this movie whole, yeah. maybe like no more than five times. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I don't I don't go back. Like I said, I revisited for the first time like almost five years. And then I literally saw it like as a whole, like, you know, maybe 13 years ago. Yeah. Something yeah. like that. Um, so, yeah, it's a fun movie. Great, uh, great characters. Great dynamic. Um, lots of laughs and uh, definitely one to uh, to check out if you haven't. Yeah, well, I was gonna say too, like, like does this does this hold up for you? Like, for, from being a, a comedy from the '80s, I think the first two acts definitely do. Yeah, I think yeah. the first two acts definitely. Like, um, I know we've said this over and over again, but like the third act just gets so bonkers that um, nowadays, like, obviously being older, like if I was younger, probably not, but being older, you're just like, how do you not realize what's going on in that train? Right. Yeah. Like, <laughs> how, like really? Yeah. And then we said, and then like everything. Um, like it's it's that it's just it's that right. notion alone. The it's fact al- that it's almost because the movie's so smart, like leading up to that, to the yeah. point when you get to that, it's like how does Beaks not know that this is like yeah, a, and a, also a, like a, like there's some fuckery going on. You, you know? can make the argument that like to him everything's a business. Yeah, so it's like one and done. He's like you know I I did I did my job, so now I don't even care about it anymore. Right, so right. Like he puts everything in like his rearview mirror. So I think you could make the argument as to why he didn't recognize Billy Ray, but like just the whole thing, it, it's like it's just like a parody it's it is like yeah, yeah it gets crazy yeah like the, like look the whole thing with like the party in the train and like the two guys like it's like whatever yeah but like but it's like we were saying that the movie itself is like a very well-made movie very smart in its own respect so 
once it kind of hits that gear, it gets a little bonkers. Yeah. But overall, I still really do enjoy it. And I still think, um, yeah, I still think it holds up for those two first acts alone. Because, right, Because like, right. it still gets some, like, really good laughs. Um, you're still very invested. You're still very engaged. And still, like, and it's these characters are yeah, great yeah. characters. Yeah, no, I, I would echo that uh, 100%. Because I think why this movie holds up so well is, is because of the characters. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously, mainly uh, Eddie Murphy and Dan Aykroyd. They're phenomenal in this movie. Both are equally hilarious, and uh, and yeah, yeah, man, it's 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 one of my all time favorites. I try to watch it usually around this time of year is when I usually try to re- revisit it, and you know, gets me into the holiday spirit for as fucked up as the movie is at points, but you know, but yeah. So uh, so all right, nerds nation, that does it for us. Have you guys seen Trading Places? Do you love it? Do you hate it? Let us know. Thank you guys for watching. Thank you for listening. Remember to like this video and subscribe to our YouTube page. And remember, you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and anywhere else you can see that big beautiful FN logo. Anything else you want to say to the nation, Martin? Uh, no, we're going to try to do another one before Christmas comes out. Yeah. But that's a tall order. That's a tall order. But we're going to try. We're going to try. We're going to try. But if we don't, then uh, Merry Christmas, everyone. Yep. Uh, Happy New Year's. Uh, if we don't see you before then. Who knows? Happy holidays. I'll just leave it at that. Yeah, yeah. Merry New Year's. Merry New Year. <laughs> it's ha- That's another like fucking racist moment. He's like, in this country, we <laughs> yes, say... Yes, that ha- is. Oh, my God. <laughs> we say Happy New Year. Happy New Year. In this country, we say Happy New Year. Like, wow, you piece of shit. Okay, piece of okay. shit. <laughs> but, uh, yes, Merry New Year to all. Merry New Year's and Happy Christmas. Happy Christmas. To everyone. <laughs> Uh, and yeah, go definitely go check out Trading Places if you haven't. It's 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 a it's a gem. Definitely, definitely. All right, guys. With that, we will catch you on the next one. Bye.